Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email on the mark at WKOK.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Ben Reichley. Great tinks and welcome on board the WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show On the Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence, always a subpar performer here, a superlative co-host of a different sort today. He's still a conservative. He is uh, <laughs> still associated with and knowledgeable about business. He's, uh, let's see, what else can I say? Uh, he's Just a, a father and he's an American, a committee man. Mm-hmm. Ben Reichley is with us and very very knowledgeable about transportation and all things politics, and he was in Washington, D.C. for the State of the Union address this week, so Mm. we can get your impressions about that. Welcome aboard. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, greetings from the nation's capital. Very unique. We'll we'll, uh, certainly get into that, but uh, boy, some very interesting news coming out. I know uh, Bob and Sue will get their uh, their views on the uh, the numbers, but uh, it's a Chamber of Commerce Financial Friday. All right, yeah. So we're going to get we're all things business here. Hey, and uh, Rob Center is our fabulous producer. I'm going to introduce our guests in one split second. I have to always tell you though that on the market sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. You can check them out at sunburymotors.com. If at some point you have a question for our guests, we will entertain uh, some questions at the right time. We have this half hour packed, but the toll-free line is 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com or text us at 70236. Bob Garrett's here, President and CEO of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce. Welcome aboard, sir. Always a pleasure, Mark. Oh, I do appreciate you coming in. I've learned so much about uh, business and industry from you. E- long before you were even at the chamber, you were <laughs> sharing all kinds of good information with uh, us. Share our us. Right, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're uh, very generous in that regard. And Sue Green is with us. She's chair of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce. There's no arguing about that, but precisely what her employment title is depends upon when you listen to the interview. If you listen today, she's a senior learning strategist at Penn State University. And if you listen Listen tomorrow, she's uh, unemployed, and then if you listen Monday, she's the chief clerk in Union County. So, uh, welcome aboard, Sue. Thanks for coming in. Absolutely, Mark. Thanks for having me. How, how's that for an intro? That's an intro. <laughs> sure is. I'm gonna gr- I'm gonna print you out a special business card. You know, one side is Penn State, the other is a question mark, and then the, the third foldout is the chief clerk. But oh, weekend unemployed. Who who yeah, wouldn't yeah. Uh, like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. true. Yeah, no problem. She is yeah. not gonna get any phone calls from work tomorrow. I'm looking forward to a weekend unemployed one day. Yeah, right. Yeah, that would really work. Okay. Uh, We call it untethered around here. You have to make special arrangements if you do that around here. Well, we thank everybody for being on our panel. We're talking about jobless numbers. We'll start out. Ben, you want to get us started here? Is this okay? Unemployment up 3.6% because we had sort of a mini slowdown, which is always associated with winter and industry. So unemployment up Uh, to 3.6. So unemployment being up 3.6 from 3.5. Right, yeah, which uh, is, we're, splitting we're hairs. no longer fabulous, now we're only stupendous. So. That's like splitting hairs <laughs> with Bob. Bob. <laughs> 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 okay, and that's 
all will say about that. <laughs> this is radio. Nobody knows. I know. But, well, uh, I don't think I have a uh, big head of hair. No, uh, the unemployment. Uh, there, there's max employment out there. Uh, as we see, Sue, you can certainly get into that in your in your role or past role after today. But th- there, there's very good employment out there for folks. There's also uh, what we're seeing, though, the numbers are, are very, very good. Uh, but the key number and what we keep hearing and talking about, and I go back to December 28th, Mark, so I'm going back to last year, Wall Street Journal, workers pay rises as labor market tightens. So the labor market's tightening for those skilled workers and even unskilled workers in certain geographical areas, which drives the labor rate up. But as we just heard over last year at this time, a 3.1% increase in compensation. And the numbers, I believe yesterday, I'm going to say maybe Wednesday, talked about the, the lower 25% employed wages are rising faster than their supervisors and the supervisor's wages are rising faster than their upper managers. So what we're getting is we're getting we're getting wage increase which is real solid disposable income from all areas of uh, of employment and this, but the larger percentage increases are on the bottom so this is this is a very positive and it's hard for some of these people as I saw morning Joe and I think they were choking on their morning Joe trying to explain <laughs> why the economy That's on the is, MSNBC folks. Yeah, isn't that good and on CNN I you know the chicken noodle network uh, it's hard or maybe the communist news network it, it's hard for them when these numbers come out because they don't know how to spin it negatively now, everything's not perfect. However, things are so much better on the employment side that now the workers have the opportunities. And you know what? Bernie Sanders and the other socialists should be waving the flag going, this is what we want, mm-hmm. workers to have power. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Sue, in, in your professional role, you know that uh, the skilled labor market and how tight it's become but the demand for skilled workers, IT, you know, this mm-hmm. and that, and Bob, you always break out the segments. But we're, we're seeing very positive growth. And when we see it in our little Corner mecca of the world, the world yeah. here, mm-hmm. uh, that you know it's, it's booming in other places. And there are going to be some areas that maybe it is slowing down. I wish those areas were maybe around the uh, government hubs, like Washington, right. D.C., <laughs> and the state capitals, <laughs> because that means workers are out there doing other things. Well... Professor Reichley, uh, this <laughs> sounds, sounds a little bit like a lecture on uh, Economics 101, uh, but let me just ask you, at 3.1%, is that inflationary, or is that, that, is that just good, solid growth, uh, and uh, we won't see inflation coming out of that? I see a large, large, large percentage of that as being non-inflationary, because inflation is, is in check. Uh, and and they, you know, we've talked about this, and I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, and for those uh, younger folks... Folks, a uh, a broken CD, or you know, I don't know if those skip MP3, or not. The MP3, broken but, download. But, but we talk about it. it w- look what's going on in the world, and look where we would have been 15, 20 years ago. Oil would be spiking because of the Iran scenario, even though that's more under control than people want to say. This virus would have caused economic. 
uh, angst more than we would see now. Think what it would have done to our favorite beer from Mexico. Uh, again, uh, you know, if if you're you know, just put more limes in your beers, folks. <laughs> but again, you look at what the uncertainty economically would have been. The stock market wouldn't be moving like it is. So there's a there's a good solid foundation. All right, and some brief reaction and from Sue the same thing, and we'll get to our call. Well, you know, it's interesting. We always do this uh, cheat sheet, I call it, and uh, mm-hmm. and the economists were all saying two hundred and sixty thousand jobs, or I mean one hundred and sixty thousand jobs, but ADP, which is really uh, has become even more accurate than the government, it seems lately, uh, was suggesting it was going to be closer to two hundred and twenty thousand. Turned out to be two hundred twenty-five thousand jobs created in the first month of this year. So a uh, very positive news. All right, yeah, all good news, and we know locally uh, there's businesses starting up, there's businesses booming, there's a lot of cinder block being laid. It's all, all this stuff is happening that we really like to have happen. Sue, your observations? Well, I would say, and especially just piggybacking off of what Ben said, but family sustaining wages is key, especially Mm -hmm. here. And so what we're seeing locally, I'm pretty happy to, and we'll probably touch on that a little later, but uh, hope it continues and people doing their side businesses, you know, all all should be good. All right, we have a caller on the line. We're so glad to say that we asked for and received an opportunity to talk to Alex Halper. He's Director of Government Affairs for the Pennsylvania Chamber of Business and Industry, and uh, he's heard the President's State of the Budget address earlier this week, and we're going to get some reaction to that. But, uh, Bob, we'll start out with uh, the jobless numbers have come out. The number itself, 3.6% up a little bit. Uh, A spectacular 225,000 jobs created in January, which just... the sentence sounds like it has is full of irony. Uh, wages up 3.1 percent, which is certainly satisfactory, and uh, so it seems like uh, pretty decent news. Your reaction to the first of all, welcome. Thanks for calling in. Thank you for having me. I do appreciate it. And your reaction to these new jobless numbers. Well, um, we we always uh, like to see you know strong economic growth. Uh, you know, we we note that that while nationally uh, un- unemployment uh, rates remain at what is essentially considered full employment. Uh, Pennsylvania uh, is, is still a bit higher than the national average. I think we're around um, a little over 4% un- unemployment. Um, you know, I, what, what we hear and, 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 and we represent and our members are employers from all over Pennsylvania, uh, including your, your region, we hear a very consistent theme uh, throughout various industries and and regions of employers who are not able to find qualified workers to fill open positions that they have today. Uh, so while we appreciate seeing unemployment low, uh, we um, the concerns we hear from from the um, from employers uh, is is mainly focuses on on the workforce. How's Be- uh, Pennsylvania's business climate? Any improvement lately? Uh, we, we know that this is the land of, of taxes and regulation, and um, so, so any changes in that uh, during the year 2019? Well, you know, Pennsylvania has many great advantages. We, we, have, a, we have natural resources and, a, and an energy sector that has been a, a bright spot in our economy for uh, you know, for for at least a decade now, and I think is a big reason that uh, as much as the the Great Recession was was a, a very challenging time for all of us, and in a lot of ways, Pennsylvania was able to to remain a little more steady than some other states. And our energy sector is a big 
um, is a, is a big part of that. You know, geographically, uh, we're we're located in a in, in a key uh, area where the North South Corridor and the East West Corridor kind of come together. Our our Keystone State moniker um, makes a lot of sense in in that respect. So we have a lot of advantages, but in in other ways, we uh, we we're experiencing economic success almost despite ourselves, and we have. Uh, we have a long way to go in terms of, of public policy, uh, tax policy, et cetera, uh, to, um, to, to really allow Pennsylvania employers and workers to enjoy economic prosperity and growth that uh, Pennsylvania has the potential to experience. Uh, just one example, we, our, our corporate net income tax rate um, uh, remains the highest uh, effective rate in the country at almost 10% when you, major corporations are looking where to where to invest, where to locate uh, and where to expand. Unfortunately, that's a that's a big red flag for many of them. Uh so so there are a number of areas where we certainly encourage lawmakers to focus in terms of improving our business climate. Um with that said, we we certainly experience um, you know, ha- have have areas of growth and, and prosperity, and we need to build on that. Alex, this is Bob Garrett. It's good to hear your voice. Uh, we were together on, uh, I guess that was Wednesday morning, uh, at the budget briefing, and I just wanted to tell you, uh, uh, Sue uh, Green, our chair, and I had a nice laugh this morning because I brought in uh, yesterday's Harrisburg Patriot News, and the big headline about the state budget says, A Path to Prosperity. The reason why we got a laugh out of that is that's the name of our strategic plan, uh, which came out uh, a year and a half before this governor's budget. But it was just, uh, you know, there's chambers again doing what uh, most people think just happened. Uh, but, Alex, a question on well, the public policy side. The governor has uh, put out a budget, and maybe we can dive into that a little bit. Um, it seems to be moving the right way in many areas, a couple spots where we're not real happy. You mentioned about uh, corporate net income uh, being either the highest or second highest in the nation, depending on how you count the numbers, et cetera. There is a proposal in there to start bringing that down more in line with where we'd like to see it. But tell us a little bit more about what's in that, what's in the budget uh, that we, that small businesses particularly, but business in general, should like, and what are some of the things we need to, to uh, get back to the legi- our members of the legislature and say, hey, let's take a better look at this as the uh, budget comes around uh, to the House and the Senate. Sure. The, the governor's proposed a roughly uh, $36.1 billion state budget, that's, that's billion with a B, um, that I think has been viewed as a pretty ambitious, or some might say aggressive, uh, spending amount. Um, it, it's about 6% higher than the budget uh, which the, the legislature uh, passed and the governor signed last year. Uh, part of the problem, though, is that the, the state has actually spent more during the current year than the budget called for, roughly uh, $700 million or so more. Uh, now, a lot of that is outside of the, the state's control. They, there are entitlement programs under uh, human services that uh, that spending, uh, the state is required to, to do that. Uh, but it, it makes it very important to, uh, to as accurately as possible, project how much spending is going to be and craft a budget that takes a very realistic view. Uh, so, um, you know, for, for example, the, 
the governor's budget when he thinks about how much revenue is going to come in uh, from taxpayers to state coffers, uh, they're estimating about 4.5% growth. Um, when others are projecting closer to 2.5% growth. Now, look, we, we appreciate optimism, and, and we're, you know, chambers of commerce, simple. Uh, but, but look, the optimistic uh, uh, revenue projections today uh, often lead to budget deficits tomorrow or a couple years from now. Uh, so, so there is a, a fundamental concern with the amount of spending that is being proposed in this budget. Um, with that said, we, we are certainly pleased that the governor is not, uh, has not proposed, uh, I guess, what, what they'd call broad-based tax increases, no increase to the personal income tax rate, no, income, uh, no increase to the sales tax rate. Uh, the governor in the past has proposed applying that sales tax to a, a whole host of, of additional goods and services that are currently not taxed. That is not present in this current budget proposal. So I think some of the governor's early experiences with, a, uh, with, with sing- proposals for significant tax increases that was met with, um, with pretty adamant opposition from lawmakers, employers, and taxpayers, uh, my sense is that early experience has has um, you know was was an early lesson in, um, in in bringing forth maybe more reasonable, more manageable budgets. Uh, so you know, like any budget proposal, there's some some aspects of it that we point to that that we appreciate and 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 support. Um, others uh, that that are a little more concerning. Well, and my my main up. We're back to Mark Lawrence here, the host. I just think it shows a lack of business priority. You know, I definitely think human services and education and properly funding uh, prisons is important. Uh, restore Pennsylvania, I think, is something we should uh, think about and have a vibrant debate about. But uh, you know, as a person who works in a small business, and I know what's going on around here, I would love to see a budget that says, "Hey, you small business, you're important too." I don't see that. Do you? you well uh, I guess it depends on how you look at it I mean the the business community uh, is and and how employers and this might be kind of a a broader theme but how employers engage in public policy is interesting I mean there are there are lots and lots of issues that come up that that impact uh, employers and that's certainly the case in this budget uh, but I think for a lot of business owners the the approach is look let me let me run my business um, you know I don't need any any handouts from the government uh, I, you know just just kind of let me do my thing I understand that there's going to be some you know fair uh, uh, regulations and and laws to abide by um, so when you look at a, a broad budget proposal, um, yeah, I'm not sure if, if the business community necessarily says we need all these, you know, we need funding, we need handouts. Uh, but there are obviously a lot of uh, a lot of pieces that do impact employers. Uh, the the governor has has again uh, called for a a pretty. Um, massive increase to uh, the minimum wage. Um, you know, his his proposal would have the minimum wage increase by over sixty percent in a few months. Uh, if you're a a restaurant or a business uh, that has um, employees who who make some of their wages based on tips, uh, the governor's proposal would actually 
require you to raise your labor costs by upwards of 230% in a few months in July. Uh, so from that standpoint, um, you know, th- there does seem to be a disconnect between the policies that are, you know, developed and talked about here in Harrisburg that I, you know, I think maybe sound good in theory, you know, who doesn't want people making more money, but when you go to a local diner or local restaurant in your area and tell, you know, tell that restaurant owner, uh, you know, you're going to be uh, required to increase your labor costs by 230% in a few months and, and by over 500% uh, in, in, in a few years after that, uh, you know, it, it just seems like there's a disconnect between um, how employers operate and some of the pressures that they are under to make payroll every month, to keep their doors open, their lights on, and the the policies that are kind of talked about uh, in a theoretical way here in here in Harrisburg. Alex, this is Bob uh, again. Um, you know, you think about a budget, whether it's a federal budget, state budget, municipal budget, and yes, it's a it's a document of revenues and expenditures. Of course, business, we tend to focus on the, the revenue side of it uh, because we understand who's paying the bills. Um, but uh, now you just brought up about the minimum wage, and, and I always have a question about where why is that in a budget? You know, why is that in there? Now, we don't have that goofy math that they had a few years ago that by increasing the minimum wage, we were going to get so much more in revenue from taxes, et cetera. That, that seems to go away. My question is, when, when a small business person or a, a chamber member has a, has a moment to speak with their legislator, whether they're in the House or the Senate, and by the way, we'll have one of those opportunities today at lunch up here at our governmental affairs meeting, when they have that kind of opportunity in this whole debate, this whole discussion around minimum wage, what's your coaching? What what should we be talking about? Uh, I, I heard you say, yeah, we all want people to make more money, but just a half an hour ago, we were reporting that everybody got a 3.2% uh, wage mm-hmm. increase. 3.1. Just, uh, 3.1, thank you, Mark. <laughs> I, I have my fact checker right here. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, but the, uh, uh, but uh, what? how do we have that conversation? How do we have it, how do we bring the temperature down on this discussion so that reasonable people can have a reasonable discussion about how do how do we move forward with a with a, a minimum wage that frankly has not been touched in what several decades now right yeah yeah. What's well, your last, coaching? I yeah, guess. About, about, yeah. I think 2009 was the last increase. And let me let me first say to uh, any any uh, employers or or chamber members listening that if you have an opportunity to to have lunch and talk politics and policy with Bob, you ought to jump at that opportunity because it's it's uh, it's good fun and very enlightening. Uh, but 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 minimum wage is buying, one right? of those. Uh, <laughs> One of those, uh, you know, perennial uh, policy political discussions. Uh, you know, we we try to focus on you know wh- what is it that every that that all parties you know where all parties can come together in agreement. I think most people can agree that if you're a you know if you're a family if you're a single parent raising children um, earning the minimum wage that is simply not a sustainable. Uh, scenario. Um, the the problem is is when you look at the population of who's earning the minimum wage, um, 
that is simply not representative of that overall population. You know, 90% or so, and these are these are numbers from the state. Um, 90% or so of minimum wage earners don't have children. You know, most are not the primary breadwinners for the family. Most are 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 young. Um, you know, certainly younger than um, you know than than 24 or 25. Um, so you you balance that with with what we know uh, is an unfortunate unintended consequence of these of kind of artificially raising wages, which is negative impacts on employment. And this is not coming from the the PA chamber. This is the the Congressional Budget Office out of Washington D.C. This is the Independent Fiscal Office. Uh, out of Harrisburg, which analyzes the data, the the experience, and shows that that minimum wage increases, while some certainly benefit, there are others who are harmed through either a reduction in their hours or their positions being eliminated, or or employers who simply can't hire. So that you know maybe that first opportunity to get uh, you know for an individual to get their foot in the door. Begin their, you know, to, to begin their working career, that opportunity never never presents itself. All right, we're going to so have to stop not? you. Hold on, hold on. Sorry about this. We're close to the top of the hour, and I don't uh, want to let you go without the opportunity for a very, very short uh, additional remarks or closing uh, statement, please, Alex. So let so my I guess the final point is focus on on policies that help that that low income family that does not uh, trigger the unintended negative impacts on employment that are inherent with these kind of broad policies like minimum wage. Uh, but there are areas of agreement that we think are, you know can be focused on, and we appreciate that the governor has. Um, you know, has more and more approached uh, policymaking and budget making from that from that perspective. All right. Well, thank you so much for checking in, Alex Halper, Director of Governmental Affairs, Pennsylvania Chamber of Business and Industry. Call in again and come in and visit us. Thank you so much, Alex. Thank you. Very much appreciate it. We'll take a quickie break. We'll be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money, the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this segment. Uh, Bob Garrett of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce, Sue Green, the chair of the chamber, and uh, Mr. Ben Reichley, and, of course, our fabulous producer, and I will be back after the top of the hour, and we are going to be uh, finishing up our chamber discussion. Then we'll talk about all the things we talked about all week, the impeachment acquittal, State of the Union, the Rush Limbaugh remarks, all of that coming up. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury.
News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email on the mark at WKOK.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Ben Reichley. Greetings. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show. On the Mark, our guest, Bob Garrett of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce, President and CEO, he is, and Sue Green, Chair of the Chamber, are with us. Let's launch into, let's finish our jobless analysis. Yeah, a couple quick highlights, uh, Mark. The um, What we heard was 225,000 new jobs in uh, January of uh, so the last month, uh, unemployment rate ticked up a little bit, 3.6%, but that may be because the good news in all of this, the most exciting news to us, is the participation rate is up. In fact, what we're learning is the the, the key job earning ages of uh, 25 to 54 is at the highest level it's been in a decade. So that's uh, very good news, more and more people entering the workforce. What is that labor participation rate? Uh, give that to me, Mark. 63.4%. Highest okay. level it's been in six years, and the low was two years ago, but now it is no longer bouncing along the bottom. The trend is upward. Yeah, it, it's and that's because you of young see. people joining the workforce. I, I would say, I would say, uh, you know, it's what we've been talking about that the, the the skill set that folks had did not match with the skill set that employers needed. We've been talking about that now for five or six years, and I think we're turning uh, we're turning that around. The other thing is, look at our vocational schools; they're full, and uh, maybe. Maybe five, six years ago, they weren't. Uh, and so folks are getting the message that there's a lot of jobs out there. You just have to make sure you have the right skill set to meet those jobs. I well, willingness. People are w- more willing for some, whatever that, whatever's making them willing. You know, it's nice yeah. to see. Yeah, it's working. Whatever, yep. Whatever's happening is working. Well, one of the good tweets today is, uh, if you're not working now, it is entirely your fault. You know, I used to be able to say, well, you didn't have those skills or I wasn't going back to school or I wasn't going to trade school or wasn't, you know, doing an apprenticeship or whatever it happens to be. Now it's all you. I don't bring this up to be discouraging, but I've actually had some chamber members tell me that their number one thing they look at when they look at a new hire is, are they currently working? If they're not currently working, that's already a red flag. Like, well, wait a second. Why aren't you in the labor force? Now, that's in no way to discourage those that are on the, anyone who's on the sideline who might be listening to not get on, into the labor market, uh, but they the do point take is, somebody it, graduating important. from high school or graduating from college, though, right? Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> they but, do you, that. but uh, think about it. Did you work when you were in high mm-hmm. school? Did oh, you work shoot, when yeah. you were in college? No, that, that's well, the point. The I point is, is, hit it. Work ethic, willingness. Yeah, we need mm-hmm. all. We need all. Uh, everybody has to have their paddle in the water. You know, no, we, we need everybody working these they days. Show up five minutes early, leave five minutes late, and be able to pass a drug test. Got it. Uh, you know, yeah. that, that, that's at some levels of Welcome hiring Welcome to my anymore. company, right? Yeah. 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 Almost have so. them. No, I mean, again, you see CDLs, you, you see it in all states, you see it in all areas. And it's a very positive uh, positive sequence that we'll see how uh, the Democrats and others can uh, throw water on this. Hey, Mark, let me just uh, touch real quickly on the local unemployment rates. Uh, I think that Alex last uh, half hour mentioned the state unemployment rates slightly higher uh, than the national rate. Uh, it's around uh, around 4 percent or so. But in, um, in, in locally here, in our four-county area, Montour County is ranked ninth in the state, uh, of lowest unemployment at 4.1 percent. Union is at 4.5 percent, which is 14th in the state. Uh, Northumberland is 6. 
2.4%, 55th in the state. And Snyder County actually bounced back up again. We were we were watching it coming down after the, uh, the all the folks from Woodmode got back in the labor force. We were watching it come down, and for some reason it bounced back up uh, last month. I, you know, that kind of a bounce is, is somewhat understandable. Well, it's it, January. It's still probably. January, regardless of what happened to Woodmoon. That's right. Yeah, so uh, things are coming back uh, locally. Uh, by the way, the, in Pennsylvania, we have 6,552,000 people working, of which 293,000 of them are unemployed. Now, now, that's a big number, right? But on the other side of that is currently, according to ADP, we have 375,000 job openings. So almost two to one uh, job openings to people looking for work in the state of in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Some sort of an asterisk here. Tomorrow it's going to be 6,551,999. I guess Sue's joblessness is having an impact on the statewide. Her, her weekend off. Right. Yes, her right. statewide number. So we got to give that to a note you while we can. Un- unemployment claim in yet? I retired. Oh, I retired from Penn State. Oh, good for you. Okay, well, Penn State, uh, a, a senior strategist here. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. There we go. Senior learning strategist at Penn State, really helping with the executive programs, making sure that continuing education is available and optimal for uh, people of all ages, uh, from businesses uh, to going back to school, and that it's available, and for businesses that this continuing education is available for them to offer. That was. Uh, Sue's previous uh, job. So a quick reflection, retiree, please, if you sure, would. Sure, absolutely. Well, here's the thing. It's not like I'm falling off the face of the earth here. Right. So my Penn State email is still current, will continue to be. I'll still be a conduit for the, the executive programs folks and get people connected. I've, it's been a real nice journey, 16 years almost, with Penn State and working locally and across the state and across the country anymore. So, yeah, yeah it's been nice. Uh, and Sue, you're a true believer. So, and you, you just uh, proved that to everybody by saying, even when I'm not working there, I'm still going to be promoting the program, promoting uh, lifelong learning, et cetera. So, Absolutely. And it, and it shows in the yeah. job numbers. That, that 225,000 people who are working now who weren't working before, yeah. You had something to do with it. Well, I, I, you know, me and all the other training providers around the state that we have here. So, yeah, pretty excited. And you're going to become chief clerk in Union I County, am, selected clerk. from thousands of applicants. Oh, no, you no, no. rose to the top. <laughs> of course, we got to see all your previous jobs in a news release, too. So yeah, we sure, nice you know, see. welcome to uh, letting folks know what I'm doing. She sold yeah. popcorn at the theater when she was a teenager, I'll let you know, which was only 20 years ago. So, okay, uh, quick note about being chief clerk. That starts up in Monday. In Union County, a reflection there, please. I'm excited. You know, I'm, I, it's you know, it's kind of a compilation of everything that I've been doing throughout my career here, and with outreach in the community and different potential. You know, I'll still have my HR space that I'm working with at the state level, and I think I'll be able to contribute. And it looks like they're happy to have me, and I'm happy to go. So I'm really excited to move well, on. Well, it's a big job. They've always been so smart about picking the right commissioners up there, and this this batch, no exception. So uh, this you're, it's going to be another dream team. What's cooking at the chamber, sir? Got a couple things coming up in uh, in about an hour and 15 minutes. We'll be in Milton for the Tastecraft Cafe Ribbon Cutting. Tastecraft is a brand new, well, it's a ribbon cutting today, uh, Ben, so that would be brand new, uh, but brand new little eatery, uh, place to get coffee, etc., right on uh, Broadway in downtown Milton. By the way, their macaroons are to die for. That is a, it's a fabulous place right on Broadway. Ribbon cuttings at 1030. There'll be sort of an open house for an hour or two after that. Then right after that, I'm going to scurry across the river 
Uh, we have our Governmental Affairs uh, Committee meeting. We're having a moderated discussion today with uh, Mayor Joe McGranahan, uh, who's usually sitting in Ben's seat there. But the uh, Joe will be interviewing and having the discussion with David Rowe, uh, titled Impressions on My First 100 Days. Now, officially, today is his 133rd day in the legislature, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do a 100, 100 days plus. Uh, but just want to get David's impressions. What did the, you know, What's it? What's uh, what's surprising? What's not surprising? Uh, how's he dealing with uh, the, the the whole Harrisburg thing? Switching from a small business fitness uh, guru to a legislator. Oh, he's um, one of the best piano players in the legislature. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, I'm sure that's going to come up. So uh, so how do you do those uh, late night piano concertos in the rotunda? Well, you've been to the rotunda, mm-hmm. Ben. Imagine the acoustics in there. Mm-hmm. That that had to be a beautiful concert, and uh, it was and, Elton. Uh, like it. <laughs> okay, there we go. I, I got to keep. Uh, I got to keep uh, able to talk here, uh, Ben. You got to knock that off. Hey, next Thursday afternoon, uh, our young professionals are having their second Thursday social. They're at Rooney's Pub. That's up in New Cumberland, uh, New uh, Columbia, uh, on the old Route 15, the River Road. A real fun place. By the way, the young professionals are just b- bursting at the seams, having a great time. It's a great group of people. You'd fit right in, Ben. The um, then on Friday the fourteenth tickets go. That's Valentine's Day, Mark. By the way, don't you have a age forty cutoff um, uh, for um, young professional? Well, well, Mark, I go. Well, yeah, but you're like an egghead for the chamber. You're not like a normal young person. Uh, he, Bob Chaperone. Uh, is okay. It, was that a reference to my hairdo again? No, no, thing? I'm just saying so. you're a grown-up. You're retired, too. <laughs> yeah, twice. Hey, um, uh, on the 14th, Valentine's Day, Mark, that's where I was when, when I was uh, interrupted, is tickets go on sale for the Food and Wine Fest. Uh, we do expect them to sell out. The Food and Wine Fest isn't until April 19th, but they go on sale on the 14th. Don't wait till the 15th to buy your tickets uh, because you might be on the outside looking in. We're moving up to Rusty Rail this year. Oh. You were there last year, Ben. Uh, Very good time I saw, last I year. I saw you uh, smiling a lot. Very good time And then on year. the 21st is our first uh, legislative breakfast we, that we co-host with the Central PA Chamber. Uh, we'll, have, um, we'll have the folks in from the U.S. Chamber for that. That's at the Country Cupboard. That's a breakfast. And then one last thing I'm going to mention is our, our first monthly meeting, if you will, of the uh, um, of the year will be on March 5th. That'll be a Community Ca- Connections luncheon. Uh, it's a lunch, 11.15 for registration, lunch at 11.30, meeting at 12. We're going to be at the, at the Susquehanna Valley Country Club, but the focus is going to be on all the, the Main Street, downtown, Elm Street efforts in the entire greater Susquehanna Valley. A lot of exciting stuff going on in our Main Streets, and we want to let everybody know about that. That's on March 5th at the Country Club. You'll see Samantha Pearson up there um, a- and company. So. Yeah. Thank you so much, Bob. Very Always much appreciated. Sue, any additional <laughs> remarks? Before I'm good. We'll head out. It's been fun. All right. Well, thank I'm you. Sure. Well, you're good still time. chair of the Let's chamber. So you're, not, you're not off the hook yet. Good so. luck with everything. There you go. Well, thank All right. you. Uh, Bob Garrett of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce, President and CEO. Sue Green is the chair of the chamber, former senior learning strategist at Penn State <laughs> University, new chief clerk in Union County.
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mirth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back. WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. We launch into open phones at 921 a.m. So we invite you to join us. We have an open telephone line, 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemark at WKOK.com. On the mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. You can text us at 70236. We have some texts uh, and emails pending. So we would very much uh, uh, like to get to those as soon as possible. And we will. We got to do news headlines uh, first. State police say they're investigating after a new Columbia woman was scammed out of more than $50,000. The 75-year-old woman was contacted by Facebook by an unknown person. Over the course of two years, state police say the woman uh, gave the suspect $51,500. They did not uh, discuss further how it happened, but they did warn us to not let it happen. And anyone with information asked to call state police. A local attorney says it was hard to find President Donald Trump guilty of two articles of impeachment because no criminal laws or statutes were even remotely broken. Attorney Cliff Readers gave that analysis to WKOK recently. He says Democrats could never point to any concrete evidence that would convince other people that the president committed a verifiable impeachable offense. Say we're charging the president with these crimes. Show me in the criminal code where it is. And, you know, Democrats keep saying, well, the criminal code says this is illegal. If it, if it did, they would have cited it, and they, they don't have that. Exactly right. He says regardless of whether anyone thinks President Trump committed an impeachable offense or not, he says the president's actions were still in the wrong. I think any American public official who reaches out to a foreign country and attempts to coerce that foreign country through the threat of aid or aid cutoff, you know, in order to you know, better their own political view, has done the wrong thing. But the question is, is that a high crime and misdemeanor? And you can argue about what Hamilton thought when he wrote the Federalist Papers, and you're not going to come up with an answer, because it wasn't really absolutely clear to the founders. The impeachment trial ended with Wednesday's U.S. Senate vote to acquit President Trump of his accused crimes. You can listen to all of Attorney Reader's comments. We have them broken out from Wednesday's On the Mark program at the top of the WKOK podcast page. Fascinating interview. Uh, and we'll, uh, we're emailing out copies left and right as well. Pennsylvania's government ethics agency is fining the state's common cause organization nearly $20,000 for failing to report 
support lobbying expenses. The State Ethics Commission said Thursday it imposed the fine against Common Cause after warning it hadn't filed the required information for the second quarter of 2019. Common Cause of Pennsylvania Board Chairman says the organization is sorry for its failure to file and vows it will never happen again. Uh, the group report indicates that it spends only a few thousand dollars a year lobbying in Pennsylvania. Common Cause is a good government group. Well, a, a capital letter good and a capital letter government, good government group that has advocated for transparency and lobbying and monitors government, sort of a watchdog agency. But uh, <laughs> they didn't know they had to file lobbying reports, which is uh, funny. And the fine it, is it, like the last they've known for a long time. Yeah, the fine is the last thing when you don't respond. I was going to say there's something up there, but on the other hand, uh, some of the lobbying rules get to be ridiculous, meaning that if you and I are in a lobby organization, we're lobbyists, uh, we take somebody else with us who's not, then you have to report. I mean, th- there are there are, there can be some confusion. However, they had plenty of time to straighten this out before right. they They were fined. told a year ago that they're out of compliance with the, the letter of the law and declined to address it. Uh, finally, the awarding of the Presidential Medal of Freedom to Rush Limbaugh has left Joe Biden almost speechless. The Democratic presidential candidate was asked Wednesday during a CNN town hall in New Hampshire about the honor President Donald Trump bestowed on the conservative radio personality during Tuesday's State of the Union. The former vice president made the sign of the cross before responding. Biden said said that bestowing the honor on Limbaugh before Congress was, quite frankly, trying to maintain your right-wing political credentials rather than anything else. President Barack Obama surprised Biden by awarding him the Presidential Medal of Freedom uh, shortly before he left office in 2017. Well, Rosa Parks has received this. It's funny that Rosa Parks and Rush Limbaugh would both have received this, but uh, one of our listeners asked yesterday, what's the criteria? So we looked it up, and it says it is an award for individuals who have made especially meritorious contributions to the security or national interests of America, to world peace, or to cultural or other significant public or private endeavors. I can think of a couple things in there that qualify for Rush for the award under those circumstances. Uh, Meritorious contributions to national interest, of course, conservatism is a big national interest, Um, and to world peace, not so much, but to cultural or other significant public or private endeavors. Uh, A private endeavor would be the broadcast industry. He single-handedly saved the AM radio small Mm -hmm. town Industry, I, you know, WKOK would have endured along with the KYWs and KDKAs, and uh, you know, maybe the RAKs. Well, the syndication sport. talk radio, and it drives the left and the the media, you know, the the major media, or the you know, the the parts crazy because now there was alternatives. And it's great; people should have have multiple alternatives. Uh, Rosa Parks, I can see. My question is, Joe Biden. Oh, well, yeah, let me look at that. Okay, well, let's so open your mind. Now, remember, you're, yeah. you're going to keep an open mind. Now, Joe Biden, U.S. Senator and Vice President, individuals who have made especially meritorious contributions, that doesn't qualify, uh, to the security. Did he do anything for national security other than... Uh, CIA Director Gates made the comment that he was wrong on every foreign policy okay. issue. So uh, how about meritorious one? contributions to mm. national interest? Joe Biden, a meritorious contribution to national interests. He rode Amtrak. Well, yeah, he's been a fortune on Amtrak over the years, <laughs> although the taxpayers probably paid for it. Uh, let's see. How about to world peace? Oh boy. I, I, I can't think of it. Well, he uh, took, cultural? His, took his son around the world to Ukraine and China. A significant public endeavor? 
Or private endeavor, public or private endeavor? It'd be tough. I'm sure he brought some money back to Delaware. I like Joe Biden. <laughs> I don't see Biden written into these criteria. That's just me. But that's why it's Opinion Show. Call us yeah. now and let us know your opinion. In what way is Joe Biden an individual who qualifies for someone who has made especially meritorious contributions to the security or national interests of America, to world peace, or to cultural other significant public or private endeavors? Well, world peace. He got his son jobs and his son got a piece of the world's so money. So that would have been chaotic warfare <laughs> so if he hadn't. I, you know, yeah. you know it, it is amazing the hypocrisy that runs uh, when you start to look at which side, especially during this impeachment, uh, uh, you know, whatever you want to refer to it as. A That's shame a political or, uh, endeavor. As political as you can get. Look at what was said back in the 90s, late 90s, under the Clinton impeachment, where there were actually, is it 12 federal charges brought up, and I think uh, uh, your uh, your lawyer um, talked about it here. Uh, what were the charges that were actually crimes? Bill Clinton, President Clinton, had crimes against him. Mm-hmm. And perjury. Th- this had perjury no, plus something. No, else. no crimes. Lying under oath. Uh, this had no crimes against, but they ran with it and. To see what the, uh, you know, if you watched the cable shows, amazing that you would hope everybody was watching the same quote-unquote trial or, or, or same sort of theatrical acts that were going on. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a waste of time. Waste of time, waste of credibility. Nancy Pelosi, unfortunately, um, you know, classless actions at the uh, uh, State of the Union, forget about her tearing up the speech, which which everybody in that house should have said, you know, but no, they don't. Uh, so you see the partisan there. But just her actions, just her mannerisms. The face, a, 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 facial as, expressions. As my grandmother would say to, yeah, who to me if I was doing that stuff, she goes, do you have ants in your pants? I mean, it was just horrendous. Oh, who and was it? The Daily Beast uh, compiled a video of our facial expressions. They cut uh, the president out of it and just, uh, you know, in the image you only see her and her facial expressions and the chewing and the, the well, shaking her head no uh, and the looking around. I got a friend who texted me uh, um, from somebody else that came in how to watch the State of the Union. It had a sheet over Pelosi. Oh, <laughs> and it just shows her. So, so, but, but again, she was, she was appalling. And, and she's supposed to be leadership. And then the, these people want to talk about... Uh, bringing the divide together. The divide is down there on the Democratic side. What what are the Democrats doing to reach out and and to to make this? So maybe you're, they're fed up with reaching out with this president. I mean, he's what, the what, divider they in ever? chief. He is. Yeah, I, oh my I, gosh! I, I, come I, on, uh, you no. didn't hear his prayer breakfast remarks yesterday or hey, the news conference? Prayer breakfast marks and that, that that's open game because you know what? Look back what was said before. Is it right? You know, should should you let uh, water under under the bridge. Okay, he chooses not to. Look at the remarks he says. Look what people have said beforehand. Nancy Pelosi has called him mentally unstable. Uh, you know, l- look back through. When you sat there and looked... That's inexcusable. Well, you, you tell me, the, the divide, when the Democrats are not in power, they are fighting tooth and nail to get power back, however they can do it. Look at Schumer's statements. Look at Nadler's statements. Look at their statements under Clinton. And then look at this, the statements now. It's, it's pathetic. And, and people think that, uh, uh, you know, people, you know, the United States is divided based on what? You're telling President Trump? President Trump didn't divide this country. 
Look at the last administration. Look at what President Obama did, and look at the, where the divide started. And it goes all the way back to the Democrats saying that George Bush was selected, not elected. So every Republican is either a cowboy that's going to get us a nuclear war or an illegitimate president. One of our listeners on the topic of uh, the award says Joe Biden got the same award as Rush Limbaugh. Do you think he deserved it when it's been discovered he's been selling his access to his office, to his rich, his family? He should be awarded the sentence of guilty of treason. Uh, another listener says, let's see, because it was at 9.55. I don't have the gift Joe has to understand how these texts come in, but I'll try it. Here we go. Listen to Rush Limbaugh explain why he said he was about, or what he was saying. Oh, this is when I said uh, that he had said that McNabb had been uh, promoted or followed more closely in the NFL because Donovan McNabb. Oh, that's uh, when he was with he ESPN. Was black. ESPN yeah. for a couple weeks. Because the media was wanted somebody black to excel. And, to, and that I uh, used as an example of one of of his racist remarks. And to that end, one of our listeners says, listen to Rush Limbaugh explain why he said what he said about Donovan McNabb in full contest, then, or context, then come back and tell us why it was a racist statement, because it wasn't. Without full context and just the Main Street Media soundbite, anybody can be made to sound racist. Even you, Mark, just saying. All right, we'll take calls. Let me get calls going here. We'll take a break. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. 1-800-795-9565. Call us immediately. We're talking about the Presidential Medal of Freedom uh, given to Rush Limbaugh. And uh, I said I could come up with 20 racist uh, things about him, so we'll have those in the hours ahead here, or in the hour, in the next half hour. And uh, But we'd love your view on this. What's your view on this? The Medal of Freedom has nothing to do with what in your heart, racist, and Joe Biden got one. We still don't know why that was, so maybe you have that answer. Give us a buzz. 1-800-795-9565. The texts are coming in. 70236 is the uh, number to text your message. On the topic of Rush Limbaugh, one of our good listeners says, all of the quotes you're talking about, Mark, are taken out of context. Listen to the full context before accusing. Soundbite accusations is dishonest journalism. So I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I tried to find 20 definitive racist, racist remarks. I could find 40, but they all are exactly as our good texter indicates. They really, you got to know their whole context. You just can't say. And when I call Rush Limbaugh a, a racist, that's my opinion because of the 40 comments and, you know, the dozen or so that are obviously blatant. This idea of calling blacks uppity, you know, which is the shortened version of the uppity N-word is the is corollary follow-up there. But so I don't know his heart. All right. When I call him a racist, I, I have I cannot actually examine his heart. I just know what he has said and how it stirs up his base. You know, if if you if he has a lot of racists in his audience, which I have no empirical evidence of that either. But if he did, you know, this would be something they would appreciate. So it would help that segment of the audience, and it wouldn't be something that the rest of the audience would find so offensive. So I found 40 examples of potentially racist remarks. I would say a 
dozen, and those are the ones that we pretty much read on the air yesterday, are the ones that are that make it 100% clear, you know, that he has a racist heart. But that's okay. That it's not illegal, and if it appeals to your audience, all the better. You know, he calls women if they're active in the equal rights community for women, feminazis. To me. That's more offensive to, you know, to say that a woman who stands up for her rights is the same as a Nazi. I mean, that's, uh, uh, people should find that offensive and boycott all of the stations, but, you know, they love them. Well, you know, I I find uh, the left and some people's sense of humor to be deluded. I mean, feminazi is a joke. Uh, the way I understand it. It's, it's humor, right? No argument so, there. So the humorless left is is the humorless left. And again, uh, racism, you want to pull racism, you, could, you can pull it out of almost anything. You want know, to talk about discrimination? Well, let's start, let's start talking about reverse discrimination. Let's start, let's start talking about quotas. Uh, oh, in your favor, yeah, where, minorities yeah, where over want, whites. Where, yeah, where do you right. want to where do you want to go with that? Or uh, ag- right. again, uh, you know, uh, show me uh, show me's definition of racist and, and racism, and you'll see twenty versions of it. And the mainstream media will play that up. Uh, conservatives and Republicans, no doubt, get the short end of the stick on the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, again, I don't know if you guys talked about it, but what about the immorality of the halftime Super Bowl show? How ridiculous! Oh, we talked about that. How yeah, ridiculous that, that was! That was. Mm-hmm. Children up on the stage, and women dancing on poles. <laughs> Look at what the NFL did before the game. What's wrong with dancing on a pole? Well, that's women showing, I guess, what the best of themselves. I mean, those are those are things that are, are very uh, uh, provocative, to say the least. But look, okay. look, look, look what the, look what they do before the. So, show. because you get provoked, if it's provocative, you get provoked by the pole dancing. They shouldn't do it. No, look at the morality or lack of it. Look at what the NFL did. They come out before the game. They're promoting women. I think the one commercial had the uh, kicker and the holder, and they kick a field goal and they take their helmets off, and it's two women. Well, okay. Microsoft so, ad was about a female coach. Right? Well, a female coach who's trying to be the best coach, not the best female coach. She was trying to be the best coach. Well, that was fine. They're promoting the flag, Johnny Cash's song about the American flag. So this all goes on before the game. Then at halftime, they come out, and it was you know, right out of uh, XYZ Gentleman's Club with children on the stage. Are you tell me that's appropriate. Shut. So what about First these cheerleaders at the games that are showing all this skin and doing all this cavorting? Well, I, but you, that's you okay. Me, you, you tell me the cheerleaders are, are wearing thongs and sliding with the camera right in front of them? I, you know, like I said, what, what, what do so women... So cheerleaders w- good. No, I didn't say J-Lo that. J-Lo bad. I didn't say that. <laughs> so what do you... What, women, what do you want to be? What do you want to be out there? You know, you want to be taken seriously... J-Lo and, and uh, who was it, Sakara? Uh, you guys. So before Shakira. the game, they're promoting Sakara, which I have. You, you know, don't listen uh, to music. We yeah. uh, say well, me I'll neither. Listen to music. I, I think I think music might have died after. I 93. had to ask who she was yeah. too. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's why I didn't even know. So are you telling me you, you want this out here, and then at halftime, you think the, the feminists were happy with that halftime show? Where 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 was the outrage of that halftime show? Let alone. 
well. with it. Now, if you were at a bachelor party, you probably could have said that was our great halftime show without the children. But why were the why why was that incorporated? Because the I think if if you are provoked or you find that sexually provoking to you, that's your problem. Should they change the way they dance because you find yourself provoked or do, sexually do, do, do stimulated by this? Do you think their dress and their dancing, their performance, as talented as they are, was appropriate? for a family halftime. Well, I've talked to a number of friends who said, you know, two of them who had daughters that said, hey, listen, you guys need to, let's go out in the kitchen. Take the kids out. Well, uh, we know other kids were dancing along with them. They found it worth dancing. But for children to be there, and to them to have that type of performance? Uh, Let's see, on the topic of Rush Limbaugh, one of our listeners says, good morning, been listening to Rush since 1994. If I would have heard racist remarks or heard of racist actions off air, I would never have patronized him. I had tears in my eyes when the first lady put the medal on Rush. Yeah, so did I. Uh, Honestly, he deserves it. He's a fabulous broadcaster. There's no argument about this. If somebody asked me, what about Rush the misogynist? What about Rush the the racist? That's what this conversation is about. But there's no doubt that uh, he, you know, clearly, almost verbatim, and much more so than Joe Biden, fits the criteria for the Medal of Freedom Award. And he's a great broadcaster. There's no argument about that. He just can't stand up and say, you know, I am a pillar of uh, diversity or moral thought when it comes to racism because that doesn't work. Uh, Let's see. Another listener says, since the Republicans love their dear leader's choice of the Medal of Freedom, Rush Limbaugh, just wait till the Democrats get their chance and give it to Michael Moore and AOC. Yesterday's diatribe at the White House by Donald Trump was repulsive, to put it mildly. Well, I'm going to defend the president. If he goes to the East Room and invites his friends there, and the television networks choose to broadcast it, that's their choice. It's his room. It's his remarks. Those are his friends. It's his family. As far as I'm concerned, he can say whatever he wants. That's, again, not, not, not in this day and age in the mass media. And uh, we show it here, even this emailer. You know, it's, it's uh, why, why shouldn't he say what he wants? Why shouldn't he say what's on his mind? What, what, you know, he, he could have warned him the BS word was coming. Well, this, presi- <laughs> th- this president, is, uh, he, he wants to control the narrative. And, and, and what's, what's irritating the establishment politicians, Republicans and Democrats, is some of those folks have been down there on the gravy train. Now the onion's being peeled back, and hold it, uh, you folks aren't getting anything done down here. And also, the Trump administration is showing the ineptness of past administrations, Republican and Democrat. Why were these trade bills so bad? Yeah, it's why, making why, W look bad. Well, so who cares? Why was this legislation not done? How? How? Why? Why is it important for us to be to be inconsistent in our immigration policy? Because which special interest groups? have have their hands in the pie. You know, it, it is ridiculous to see what is spent by our federal government that does not help Americans or help our allies. And, you know, the inefficiencies there. Uh, so th- this administration well, is pulling it back. You know, it points to previous administrations. Why is it up to President Trump to secure the U.S.-Mexico border? Because it's been left go for centuries. Well, honest to Pete. <laughs> 
And, and why, I mean, I agree with you on that. Why do people I mean, think it's good silly. to have that? Now we had a, you know, you have a uh, email here talking about the wall and what it wasn't built, the prototypes and all the stuff that the Trump administration signed. And somebody will say, well, Mexico's not paying for it. No, no, Mexico's paying for it indirectly. You know, you know what's happening is with the trade negotiations and the economic agreements and putting pressure on Mexico. Look what's happening at Mexico's southern border. Look what, look who's being stopped. The Central American countries being stopped at Mexico's southern border. They're not even getting to the U.S. southern border. And why That's do people not be. want to stop okay. the drugs, let alone the the illegal uh, the immigrants, the folks that are, are trying to come in? Why are they stop? Why do they not want to stop that? And why do they not want to stop the drugs that are coming in? I'm on your side. I thought we should have had a wall a long time ago. Well, wall and other technologies um, and an immigration policy that works for the world. Mark, if you truly believe Russia's a racist, then you're saying his sidekick, Bo Snerdly, who is black, is simply a token person of color, no? Well, and his other guest, Walter Williams, who's on quite a bit. Um, yeah, I, I I didn't know the 40 you pulled up. Uh, again, you'd have to sort of see. I've been able to listen to them. Well, you have to the understand country. the context, and you have to verify them. So until you're done, you can get down to about a dozen that are obvious. But we'll just just this idea of calling blacks uppity. If that doesn't give you a clue, nothing would. Well, I've heard people from Western Snyder County call people from Eastern Snyder County uppity. I've heard people right, not from Sunbury no, call he, people from Lewisburg it's, uppity. <laughs> it's only Rush talking to black leaders. It's not It's not people in Snyder County talking to each other. I, I see what you're saying. It's just well, an adjective. Well, hold it. Reverend Jackson or Reverend Sharpton their, their credibility? No, no. President Obama and his wife would be the two examples that I know of, but I don't know of all the examples. Let's go to Dan at the, uh, the beautiful intersective town of New Berlin. You're on the mark. Okay, good morning, guys. This is a very beautiful town, and we're not uppity ups. My mom always, we lived in the country, poor farmers, and my mom always called the people in Lewisburg uppity mucks. So it's an old term. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm reading more into it than I should. Have. Yeah, I think I, I, maybe. Like, I, I heard that term many times, but I'm going back to what uh, what was said there earlier. You know, we didn't we didn't start the fire. The conservative movement didn't start all this resistance movement. It was started by the by the left. When Trump got elected, they resisted his presidency from the get-go, from um, before he was even inaugurated. While I listened to his inauguration speech, Trump said, I'm the president for all the people. We want to work together as a country. He reached his hand out to the Democrats as well as everybody else and they resisted long even long before he was in the office and the same day that he was in the first day in office they took Martin Luther King they said he removed Martin Luther King bust out of the office Is that which true? was a lie they, oh, okay. they were starting their movement against Trump already 
and this has not let up. It even got worse. It's a cry and shame. All we wanted, the Tea Party people that favored the Tea Party, voted for Trump. All we wanted was a chance to run the football down the field. And Trump is not only making first downs, he's, he's making touchdowns all the time for uh, uh, we the people. And I'm, I'm really proud of Trump, the job he's doing. All right, thank you me, so much. For the American people. And God, uh, God bless Trump. Thank God you so much. God bless him for what he's doing. Appreciate that. Thanks for checking in, Dan. You Very bet. glad you to hear from you. You guys have a great one. All right. I think New Berlin is the nicest town in history. Is that? Do you think that's true? No. Hey. I think it's pretty close. Why All right. Not? What? Why not? Oh, why not? Okay. 1-800-795-9565. Stand by, Mike. We've got to take a quickie break. We will be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. We've got five minutes left. One of our good emailers has a good point. He says, President Obama called Christians uppity. Sounds like a high horse to me. <laughs> uh, I'd love to see the attribution on that. I vaguely remember that. But, uh, yeah, send me your attribution if you don't mind. That would be helpful. Mike, thanks for standing by. You're on the mark. Yeah, I wanted to talk about Bobby Casey, but I want to kind of chime in on this racism thing. You know, I've had the opportunity to visit South Korea, Japan, and China. Okay? And let me tell you why. If you want to talk about racism in, in countries that's embedded, if you want to talk about male-dominated societies where women are second-class citizens, th those are three things that come to my mind. And yet we have all of these people on the left, you know, especially the, the young people that you know, claim to be woke, they're carrying around Samsung phones, driving Japanese cars, buying uh, t uh, TVs from South Korea, and they don't think twice about that, and they're and they're supporting the economies that enable that type of behavior. I, I just think there's a discrepancy between uh, what they're preaching and what they're acting. And, and I just I just wanted to get that off my chest, you know, because I'm I'm, I'm personally sick of uh, people calling me a racist and a white nationalist uh, because I support Donald Trump when I have a biracial family. It, it it burns me up, not so much me, but for my kids to hear that constantly on the news and, and everything else. I got that off my chest. I'm done with that. Please. And now the rest of your good point. Well, the, the point I wanted to make was yesterday, uh, in my mind, the big news around these parts was Bob Casey. Did you happen to hear what he said? I would say no. I don't recall. I, okay. heard, I, I heard all the other remarks yesterday. Okay. Bob Casey, uh, immediately after uh, Trump did his victory lap, 
uh, Bob Casey was on. They had him actually on Fox News, and he went on. And he, you know, the, the Democrats have put away their scare tactic that the, the Republicans want to take Social Security, and now the, the tactic is they're going to take away Medicare and prescription drugs and, and let old people die a miserable death. That's the strategy for this election. But Bob Casey came out and said that Republicans can win this election without Pennsylvania, but it's almost impossible for Democrats to win without Pennsylvania, the way the electoral map is. And, and, and he was, I mean, he was as adamant as I've ever seen him. You know, I used to call him the invisible senator because we never heard or saw him. But yesterday he was out in full force. And I believe that's true. I believe uh, Pennsylvania is going to be the, uh, the center point of this election. And I have some predictions to make about that, if you would like to hear them. Uh, sure, go ahead. you got 30 seconds. Go right ahead. Okay. Uh, pretty soon we're going to start hearing about the lead and asbestos in all the schools and how that's uh, Trump's fault for uh, wrecking the environment. And uh, we're going to hear uh, a lot of other things that are wrong with this state. And instead of it being our corruption, it's all going to be Trump's state. And they're going to blame all our problems here in Pennsylvania that we have in the cities and, and everywhere else on Donald Trump. And that's going to be the strategy, plus the, uh, Trump has taken away our health care and our Medicare and our drugs. So look out. You guys are going to make a ton of money selling commercials for 2020 election. That's all i got to say. <laughs> It'll be an up year. Yeah, we'll all see. right. Thank you so much, Mike. Very much. You're welcome. Mike, appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, one of our listeners uh, says, uh, as it relates to... Oops, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, actually, I have to hand, uh, hang up. There we go. Uh, let's see. Let's start at the top. It says, the feminists don't have a problem with the Super Bowl halftime show because the performers identify with feminists and support their ideas of abortion. I didn't notice that in the dancing, but uh, I, but uh, this, this guy is quite intuitive, so he picked up on that. Uh, another one says, gee, Mark, pole dancing, or poke dancing as he calls it, pole dancing is associated with strip clubs not family entertainment. Oh, I'm, I'm certainly familiar with that. I'm just saying that if, if a male walks around and says a woman is dressed too provocatively or, or, or dancing provocatively, uh, maybe the man should just tone down his ability to be provoked or the provocation. Oh, no, I'll say I, their, their, their performance and their uh, choice of wardrobe was ridiculous in the sense they had children on the stage. Right, the context. Context is everything. We're learning I mean, that about uh, Rush. Yeah, when, when can you call something what it is? On the topic of the wall, one of our listeners says, the 100 miles of repaired or rebuilt existing wall that was approved and in progress, or actually was approved and in progress under the Obama administration. So, again, President Trump is taking credit for something he had nothing to do with. I will give him credit for a mile of new wall he did build. Mexico, whoever, hasn't paid a penny for the non-existent new walls that will stretch across the entire southern border. Twist uh, away. Yeah, I don't think uh, those numbers... Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get some more numbers for next week. To be continued. Yep. Thank you so much for coming yeah, in. We'll see you next week. Brother Ben Reikley has been here. <laughs> fine local businessman. Rob Center did a fabulous job all week. This is News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. 10 a.m.